trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hi there, and welcome to the show. Look, I don't know why you have tuned in today, but if you are looking for a little bit of reassurance that uh, we haven't yet fully arrived in crazy land, hey, you're in luck. <laughs> That's exactly the message I'm planning on uh, sharing with you today. Actually, I'm, I'm glad you could join me. We've got a lot of great stuff to talk about. Isn't it odd how, how things just, I mean, they build and build and uh, nobody can say with any great certainty how this is all going to shake out. I don't think I've ever seen a time of, of greater confusion and uncertainty in my life. And yet, I'm not saying that to complain. It's not like, oh, woe is me. It's, I, I have never felt more certain and I've never felt more of a reassurance about the things that actually matter. So, yeah, we have some pretty serious challenges. There's no doubt about that. But I also think we have some pretty firm ground to stand upon if we are paying attention, if we're not distracted, if we're not hypnotized or otherwise caught up in the, the mass psychosis that uh, seems to grip our society right now. So you ready for some good news? Okay. This may not always sound like good news at the start, but I'm telling you it's based on principles and practices that uh, that celebrate and that uh, that affirm your liberty, your freedom of conscience, your freedom of association, your ability to to honestly obtain and use property. These things matter. And they're going to continue to matter. And frankly, there are, there are those of us who are just determined we're not going to give them up. We're not going to hand them over. Okay, take them. I know we need somebody to tell me what to do. Our show is brought to you by MonticelloCollege.org. Also, the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage and, uh, and LifesavingFood.com. I'll have a little bit to say about each of these sponsors a little bit later on in the show. Just a, a quick note as we get started. Two senior FDA officials have now stepped down over reported disagreements with the White House over booster shots. Huh. That's kind of strange. There's been a pretty united front in many ways on, you know, getting the vaccine and making sure people are vaccinated. Everybody's got to be vaccinated. In fact, you're seeing a lot of private businesses really getting in on this, too, where government reluctantly admits, okay, we don't have we don't have the authority to go there. We can't force you to do this. But our buddies in business (laughs) are our partners. They they can force you and they have been. So don't take this wrong. It's it's not like I, I like to thrive on conflict. I don't. But I am happy to see some infighting, some cracks in that uh, united front that we've seen from the powers that be in pushing this vaccine. Very, very curious. So one of the things I wanted to bring up to, to begin with was the idea of who can you trust? Now, I know that's that's a pretty broad question. That's we might as well. Let's uh, hey, while we're at it, let's figure out what is the one true religion. Huh? You up to that? Pull up a chair. Let's let's settle this here and here and now. No. But there are a lot of competing voices out there, and I don't mean competing in the sense that, uh, you know, one is is claiming to be the only right way. 
I mean, there are competing voices out there in the sense that they are trying to just provide information or another point of view, and we're not supposed to consider it. There's there's active censorship, and, and when someone questions the narrative, oh my goodness, that is enough to really get you into trouble. Joe Rogan knows a lot about this, right? Maybe you've heard some of his uh, his comments about how healthy people, in other words, young, healthy people who are taking care of themselves, eating right, exercising, are at much lower risk and therefore probably don't need the vaccine. And, of course, that sends the Twitterverse into an uproar and people go nuts. Who is he? Where did he get his medical degree? Well, I think I'll trust my experts like Dr. Fauci. And, and so there's an excellent article from Cheryl K. Chumley about Joe Rogan versus Dr. Fauci and why one is more trustworthy than the other. Now, as I go to share this, I want you to understand, way too much of the drama that drives our society is the result of being focused on personalities rather than principles. This is something that should have been very clear to anybody paying attention during the era of the Trump presidency. Um, You know, his personality was what carried him into the White House Principles are really what uh, what matter, and that's that's not a blanket condemnation of Trump. It's the same thing, allegedly, that brought to you know Biden to the White House. Well, people loved his personality. Ah, yes, that sleepy, unsure, <laughs> confused personality that occasionally emerged from his basement in order to campaign and win by the biggest margin ever. Right, right. But I wanted you to hear what Cheryl Chumley has to say here because. This is a debate that has played out, and I think she has a a terrific take on on why we have to be careful in limiting the points of view that that we're willing to consider. You don't have to agree with a point of view to consider it. Didn't Aristotle say that's the mark of an educated mind, to be able to entertain an idea without adopting it? So if you're focusing on building your brain power, in other words, if you're focusing on, on building those critical thinking skills, being able to think clearly and independently. You should be able to consider information from any source and then make the decision. Does this make sense? Is this something I can can further corroborate? Or is it something that, uh, you know, is, is not worth my time? Cheryl Chumley says, when it comes to taking advice on coronavirus mitigation, The American people would do far better to listen to comedian and podcaster Joe Rogan than National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases director Dr. Anthony Fauci. Why? Well, she says the answer is Rogan has common sense. Fauci is a power monger and a media whore whose flip-flopping scientific advisements are A, hardly scientific at all, and B, oddly targeted towards clamping down on freedoms of those of a conservative persuasion but not liberal In other words, more non-science. Now, she's referring to the recent uh, brew up here where uh, Rogan apparently was going to do a show in New York City. But thanks to New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio's command, well, anybody who shows up at an entertainment venue better be vaccinated. You better have your, you know, vaccine passport, whatever it is. And... Joe Rogan is saying, hey, if someone has an ideological or physiological reason for not getting vaccinated, I don't want to force them to get vaccinated to see a effing stupid comedy show. And now they say that everybody has to be vaccinated and I want everybody to know you can get your money back. 
Now, that's a pretty stand-up thing on Joe Rogan's part. He's refunding ticket costs to fans who do not want to bend the knee to Mayor Bill de Blasio and get vaccinated as the condition of entering a place of entertainment. Fauci, in the meantime, is out and about insisting on the need, surprise, for a third shot. And, by the way, guess what? Little kids going to school should get vaccinated, too. Should? Asks Cheryl Chumley. Wait, make that must. His words on CNN's State of the Union on Sunday. I believe that mandating vaccines for children to appear in school is a good idea. We've done this for decades and decades, requiring polio, measles, mumps, rubella, hepatitis. So this would not be something new requiring vaccinations for children to come to school. Yeah, I don't think he mentions much about the uh, track record that they've had in, uh, you know, vetting these other vaccines. Even so, there are parents who have been very hesitant about getting their kids vaccinated just for the privilege of letting them attend public school. Now, this is also a very different song than Fauci was singing back in May when the good doctor's view was, well, I'm not so sure we should be requiring children at all. We should be encouraging them. He also at the time assured hesitant parents, don't worry about it. The vaccine's been around for almost a year and presented no long-term effects that anyone would no- could notice. Cheryl Chumley says, what a hoot. How could anyone notice long-term effects when the vaccine's only been around at the time that Fauci made those remarks for about a year? Shh. This is the same Fauci that one time said not to wear a face mask, only later to advise wearing a face mask, only later to advise wearing two face masks, only later to advise goggles and eye shields, only later to chain his tone and verbiage to that of advisory from that of advisory to one of mandatory. Theoretically, Fauci said in July 2020, you should protect all mucosal surfaces. So if you have goggles or an eye shield, you should use it. Now, theoretically, Fauci's not an elected official sworn by office to protect and uphold the limits on government powers via the Constitution, along with the concept of individualism, not collectivism, that marks American politics and culture. But it's on that theory schmeary, Fauci says. (laughs) So uh, Americans have to, to take the shot. And so go the messages from the media and big government mouths. Rogan, on the other hand, has been pretty consistent in his calls for self-determination. I'll tell you more about what he had to say. Just the other side of these messages. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. And just like that, we are back. Quick shout out to Life Saving Foods. I want you to go to my uh, sponsor links in today's show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. Click on lifesavingfoods.com and just do a little bit of browsing, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to give you the hard sell here. You better buy this or you're going to be sorry. But I am going to tell you, you'll find something that could fit any budget. And having that uh, that extra supply of food on hand with a 25-year shelf life, no, no less, there's real peace of mind that comes from that. Whether it's knowing that you got a grab-and-go bag that you could pick up and, and take at a moment's notice that has a week's worth of meals, that's a real resource that you can fall back on if trouble were to arise unexpectedly. 
And the good thing is, you know, you're going to use this eventually. You know, you're going to eat this food eventually. It's not like, well, we bought it just in case we ever needed a, you know, a thorium powered nuclear reactor. No, this is stuff you can actually use. So check it out for yourself. Lifesavingfood.com. And keep this in mind. They'll knock 10% off the price if you use the coupon code HYDE, H-Y-D-E, at checkout. So I'm sharing this article from Cheryl K. Chumley. Joe Rogan versus, versus Anthony Fauci. Fauci says, you know, you got to do what to, what the government says, and he's recommended masks, then not masks, and then more masks, and then goggles, and so forth. She points out that Rogan, though, has been very consistent in calling for let people make their own choices. In fact, for those who would pigeonhole him and say, well, he's just another anti-vaxxer, Rogan said earlier this year, I'm not an anti-vax anti-vac person. In fact, I believe I said the vaccines are safe and I encourage many people to take them. I just said that if you're a healthy young person, you don't need it. Now, Rogan also has criticized the government's pharmaceutical industrial complex for moving one step closer to dictatorship on the whole coronavirus clampdown, vaccine mandate, vaccine passport, technological contact tracing movement that's sweeping the nation, nay, the globe. Rogan railed earlier this month. You can't enter New York City unless you have your papers. You can't go here unless you have that. You can't get on a plane unless you do what I say. And in Fauci's world, the response to that is, so? Which is to say, in Fauci's world, the underlying but prevailing attitude is, we know best. Now, Cheryl Chumley says, these are truly dangerous times for America because the face-off is coming. Individualism versus collectivism. Truly, the face-off is here. In one corner stands Rogan, waving a banner emblazoned with the words, independent thinking. In the other stands Fauci, flapping a flag that blares a single word, obey. Cheryl Chumley says, if the vaccines work, if the face masks work, if the, if the science is what scientists have been saying for the past year plus, what do the mask-wearing and vaccinated have to fear? And if they don't work, meaning if they don't put a stop to the spread of the coronavirus and the variants, which truly is what the data show, then the bureaucrats need to stop lying. Americans aren't lab rats. American children aren't guinea pigs. American citizens are thinking, rational, independent individuals with God-given rights to guide their own health care choices, as well as those for their children. And so she says Rogan is right. Following Fauci, especially blindly, is folly. Time for more American citizens to stand up and say enough's enough. Freedom and individualism are far too precious to let go to lifelong bureaucrats and their friends in the global community. In fact, she says the knockout round for God-given cannot come from the likes of a coronavirus. Interesting way to look at it. I don't know, I don't know where your line in the sand is, but I do believe that uh, this, this is the test of the moment, is to see who is going to comply and who won't. Which means this is something bigger than just, you know, a vaccine. This is something bigger than just, you know, are you living your life so as to avoid this one virus? I think if people who were, were sheltering in place, masking everywhere they go and, you know, studiously avoiding others and, you know, acting as the enforcer. I wonder if, if they realize that they stopped living some time ago. 
And I know there are those who will say, well, Brian, you're just being reckless, not just with your own life, but with other people's lives. Hey, if I feel sick, I stay home. I don't go out there and try to expose people. Why? Because I don't want to get other people sick. I've spent a lot of years working in an industry where, um, you know, it's easy to consider yourself indispensable. Oh, nobody can do this show. Nobody can fill in for me because I'm (laughs) indispensable. No, that's not true. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, you are not seen as the dedicated employee when you show up to work sick. This is especially true in a radio station. Sick people speaking into the same microphone that non-sick people are going to be speaking into at a later point. That just ticks off your coworkers. Why would you bring that in here? Why would you try, you know, why would you bring a bug into the workplace and get us all sick? This is just common sense, common courtesy. If you're worried about getting sick, you know, you take steps to mitigate that possibility. If you're worried about getting other people sick, likewise, take steps. But we don't need the mandates. We don't need to have that boot on the back of our neck. John Rappaport, I think, uh, sums it up really nicely. And, and especially as it comes to the, the COVID vaccine, you know, the pressure's intense to take it. But he says, I'm going to cut through a few miles of verbiage circulating on the issue of refusing the COVID vaccine. People have recently announced an extraordinary discovery, meaning there's a legal way to reject the vaccine. It's still experimental, they say, even after the FDA just fully approved it and under federal law, a person has a right to refuse an experimental medicine. So they're looking for a loophole. He says, take a breath, let it out, step back and consider the following. Since the moment COVID vaccines were launched, a person has been able to refuse them. Since they were first mandated, a person has been able to refuse them. Mandate means if you refuse, you pay the price. Consequences. You're fired from your job, you can't enter certain restaurants, and so on. After the August 23rd FDA approval of the Pfizer shot, nothing in that regard has changed. You can refuse the shot, but you take the consequences. Even in the army, they can't hold you down and force the needle into your arm. They'll put you in a cell. They'll discharge you dishonorably. They'll court-martial you, whatever. He says, perhaps a lawyer can argue that the consequences of refusing the shot are egregious, too severe, are tantamount to forcing the shot. But that's a different issue. He says, I'd like to see that issue raised. His point, though, is let's not confuse huge numbers of people by telling them that now they have a clear path to refusing the shot. John Rappaport says that clear path has always existed. And perhaps with the, with the perhaps the exception of prisons or nursing homes or hospitals where some people were forced to take the shot illegally. But what people are dealing with is how can I avoid the consequences of refusing the shot? And he says, I've suggested strategies that entail getting employers wrapped up in answering probing detailed questions about financial and legal responsibility for vaccine injuries. But the ultimate bottom line that you cannot lose sight of is the individual refusing the shot no matter what. In many articles about vaccines, detailing about how they're dangerous, destructive, ineffective, and unnecessary, he says, my aim has been to bring people closer to making their own stand. And this, he reminds us, is what it's all about. No matter what. It's making sure that if you you say no, that you mean it. It's a test of your faith, conviction, and courage. Will you refuse the vaccine no matter what? 
John Rappaport says, believe me, I support all kinds of legal case filings and challenges to vaccine mandates. I don't care how slim the chances of success are. But in the end, he says, every individual has to decide what he will accept and what he will reject, no matter what the consequences are. I mean, that's the crossroads you and I are standing at right this moment. And John Rappaport says, we are the cure. This is the war. You know, I have an idea. It could get pretty tough. It could get pretty ugly. But I'm determined that I'm going to be true to my principles. I'm going to be true to my conviction, my faith, my courage. And hopefully by example, you will too. Let's have each other's backs on this, shall we? This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. All right, I got, I got to take a break here for just a moment from the uh, the mandates, the vaccines, the whole you will do this for your own good mentality. Something that I want to shift to that, believe it or not, is still related to this and that is seeing the world clearly is understanding how we got here from there. People who don't know history, um, I think it was, uh, was it Tacitus? I can't remember. One of, one of the, the great uh, Roman philosophers talked about how people who don't know history essentially become forever children because they're unable to connect the dots of how the world really works. They don't know, how did we get here from there? And so they rely on someone else to tell them, hey, what does this all mean? You don't want to be that person. And Joaquin Book has a thought-provoking article on the five transitions to modernity. Now, that may sound like, oh, boy, that's pretty lofty stuff. But I I remember thinking years ago, I attended a seminar called Face-to-Face with Greatness. And among the things they talked about were the incredible shifts that humankind had undergone. And, And it only seems more incredible when you realize we're living through one of those shifts. It's been within our lifetime. For instance, there was a time where... Human civilization or human society was primarily agrarian. I mean, it started with essentially hunter-gatherers. Civilization came at the point where, uh, where people were able to grow and store crops for seasons. Instead of just hunting and gathering, they actually set up and planted crops and harvested crops and stored those crops and engaged in commerce. That's really where civilization began. In other words, they weren't out there uh, being chased by saber-toothed tigers (laughs) or trying to hunt a woolly mammoth, you know, just to, to keep everybody's bellies full. But that shift from agrarian to industrial, that took place, well, not that long ago, really. You think about the Industrial Revolution. When did that really kick in? 1800s, the invention of the steam engine, you know, then factories and and you see people moving from agrarian existence in the countrysides more into cities, which is where the industry was taking place. And of course, that continues, you know, to this day, we still have a lot of industry within cities, but we've turned another corner starting, I don't know, probably 40 years ago, maybe. 
Some would say maybe sooner, but we, we entered the information age. See, these things can overlap. It's not like, okay, that one ended, we slammed on the brakes, everybody, you know, opened the car door and got out, and we got in another vehicle. The shift from agrarian to industrial, that was major. And it actually improved a lot of people's quality of living and, you know, the the security they had of knowing that they could feed themselves. The information age, well, we're still seeing where the dust is going to settle on this. But if you don't understand how those things took place, and, and for that matter, how we are living through one of those changes... You know, that's when history seems like, well, it's just a bunch of dates and names and, you know, things that happened. But the key to understanding history is, first and foremost, we are looking at the decisions that were made and what followed those decisions. That's how you learn from other people's bad choices. So the five transitions to modernity, this is actually a book titled How the World Really Works. It's by Vaclav Smil. And Joaquin Book says, when uh, Vaclav Smil speaks, the educated mind would do well to listen, or at least to read, since he stays out of the chattering limelight. And assuming you could keep up with one of our time's most prolific and brilliant researchers. Now, he's a professor emeritus at University of Manitoba, and he is uh, quite well-published and, and quite... Uh, quite articulate. Now, Joaquin Book says, you know, bragging isn't arrogant if you can back your words with impressive competence. Vaclav Smil is one of the select few who can. He also talks about uh, a book called Grand Transitions, How the Modern World Was Made that came out earlier this year, in which Smil takes us on a journey through humanity's all-encompassing change in five domains. And I'm just going to touch on these briefly, but this is really fascinating stuff. Number one is demographics. The greatest demographic shift has been the sheer number of humans there are now. Many, many more of us than until recently. We hit one billion total right around the year 1800, about another hundred years or so till the next billion, and then less than a generation to reach the third billion. Now, contrary to fears of overpopulation, population growth peaked in the late 1960s and currently is in a stagnating phase with much longer lives and many more elderly. So that's one of the things that, uh, that has influenced the transition to modernity. Number two has been agriculture and foods. The human food transition is nothing short of remarkable. From subsistence and undernourishment with famine and ever-present threat to mostly well-fed populations where obscene obesity and wasted foods is the routine for billions in the rich world. I'll tell you what, if you, if you could see how much food goes into the dumpster, not just at a restaurant, but like your local convenience store, you'd be shocked. You would think, how could there possibly be hungry people today with the amount of food that's being thrown away? For centuries, Farmer's Lot was fighting the constraining nutrients, primarily nitrogen, toiling the soil using almost exclusively animate energy, collecting, moving, and spreading these wastes, the most traditional task in traditional, the most demanding task in traditional intensive farming. Yeah, we're talking about spreading fertilizer. So that's a pretty impressive illustration of an existential shift. Humanity is well on its way to exterminate undernourishment. Famines now only occur in war zones or under incompetent and malicious leadership. 
I did mention about uh, my food storage uh, sponsor, uh, Life Saving Foods. Okay, just, <laughs> just file that away. Incompetent and malicious leadership. Not that we ever encountered that, but if we did, it'd be good to know you could feed yourself. Number three is energy. From relying almost exclusively on what we ourselves could physically move or what domesticated animals under our control could exert, our energy needs today come overwhelmingly from inanimate sources of which fossil fuels dominate. We went from a world of low-density, scarce, and expensive energy to one of high-density, abundant, and comparatively cheap energy. Money doesn't make the world go round. Energy does. The fourth shift and transition to modernity was economics or economies. This transition is more familiar to the student of history and economics, but Smill covers the intricacies in the scholarly debates over the Industrial Revolution. The great enrichment from lives unimaginably poorer, shorter, and brutish than ours to the widespread abundance and well-being of the 21st century. I was listening to the uh, Words and Numbers podcast just uh, about a year ago. They were describing how child labor laws were done away with, not because people finally realized it's wrong to work kids, but because the economic growth was such that you didn't have to have every member of the family working just to keep the family going. Number five in the transitions to modernity is environment. Now, Smell recounts humans' longstanding impact on their surroundings, the terraforming activities of prehistoric and pre-industrial societies, as well as those that emerged in the 19th and 20th centuries. Life means movement, often moving the environment out of your way. Now, in ancient times, that meant fire, probably the extinction of megafauna in North America. In Neolithic times, and again during medieval times, it meant large-scale deforestation. In our times, it means resurfacing long-lost and long-dead organic matter that we burn for energy and cause environmental degradation as side effects. We've walked through many environmental damages that are associated with our modern world, overfishing, microplastics in the ocean, uh, antibiotic resistance, algae growth from fertilizer runoff, and the energy requirements of growing emerging countries. And Smill says these five grand transitions have created the modern world with all of its admirable advances and improvements, as well as its uh, worrisome socioeconomic divides and environmental concerns. So we don't know what the future is going to bring, but to have a clue about the past and the present, Joaquin Book says Vaclav Smill is an invaluable guide. And you think about the absolutely stunning rate of change that we've seen over humanity's last thousand years, the accelerating spears, or speeds rather in the last two centuries. I don't know. On the one hand, there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, technologically have made our lives better. On the other hand, you've got to be careful because sometimes people want to turn that technology against us. But I think if I had to be, you know, if I had to make the choice, you know, should I be grateful or should I be afraid? I'm going to be grateful. What's crazy, though, is when it's going on all around you, you know, the change, that shift, you know, the Internet. I mean, my kids don't believe me. Yeah, there was a time before the Internet. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell us there was a time before microwave ovens. Well, (laughs) now that you mention it, there was. This is The Brian Hyde Show.
This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, once again, thanks for being part of our growing audience of wrong thinkers. Do me this favor. Stop by my show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. You'll find show notes for each day that I produce the show. You'll find some interesting information there. Ways that uh, you can further increase your knowledge and understanding of the various topics up for discussion. You'll also find links to my sponsors, including Patriot Home Mortgage in St. George. The Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage, these are the folks I would send you to if I knew that uh, you were looking to buy a home or even refinance your existing home anywhere in the state of Utah. Heather's been in the business for many decades. She understands what the lenders need. She knows what the borrowers need. The bottom line is she's the one you want on your side to make things happen when time is of the essence. You know, like in the hottest real estate market most of us have ever seen. Heather's NMLS ID is 715386. Patriot Home Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender. They're at 619 South Bluff Street in St. George, or you can call 435-703-4522. All right, next up. I know that uh, there have been some thoughts about uh, the the new uh, Pfizer Comirnaty vaccine. Am I saying that right? Government health officials are, you know, starting to make uh, suggestions. That, you know, not only should everybody be getting the vaccine, but they're actually, I don't know if you heard this uh, just yesterday. Um, I can't remember if it was the White House or if it was uh, the Centers for Disease Control. We're saying, we suggest unvaccinated people not travel for Labor Day. They're already starting in. You know, the funny thing is I was planning on, you know, I was thinking maybe I would just stay home and take it easy for Labor Day. But if they're telling me, you know, you're not supposed to travel if you're unvaccinated, I think I feel a trip coming on. Yeah, I'm not going to be flying, but that's beside the point. <laughs> just, I just wish they just would back the heck off. Can the vaccine mandates be far away if they're already starting with the, well, we don't want unvaccinated people traveling. Um, here's the thing. Before you give in to the demands and you don't travel or you, you know, get the vaccine because, dang it, that's what you need to do. You might want to take a closer look at the FDA's fact sheet for that uh, co-comernity vaccine. I, what a fun and awkward name. This is an article by Merrill Nass, who is an MD. It's uh, from childrenshealthdefense.org. And it's titled, Here's Why No One Can Force You to Take Pfizer's Newly, in quotation marks, Approved Comirnaty Vaccine. It says, On August 23rd, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration issued its approval, also known as a license, for Pfizer's Comirnaty COVID vaccine. Now, the FDA documents, by the way, they are all linked here in this article, related to the vaccine's approval are as difficult to understand as the new brand name is to pronounce. According to the FDA, although Pfizer's Comirnaty vaccine is now approved, considerable amounts of the vaccine will remain under Emergency Youth Authorization, or EUA. Also, the Comirnaty vaccine was limited to adults over 16 receiving their first two doses. Vaccination with the EUA Pfizer-BioNTech or the Comirnaty vaccine in the 12 to 15-year age group or providing a third booster dose of either Those things are still considered an unapproved use. However, those uses remain authorized under EUA, Emergency Youth Authorization, Use Authorization, rather. Now, the FDA made some clear but cagey statements 
about the differences between the Comirnaty vaccine and the Pfizer-BioNTech EUA vaccine. This is a lot to keep track of, but this is worth knowing. For example, this is from the FDA's statement. The licensed vaccine has the same formulation as the EUA-authorized vaccine, and the products can be used interchangeably to provide the vaccination series without presenting any safety or effectiveness issues. Listen to this next part, though. The products are legally distinct with certain differences that do not impact safety or effectiveness. End quote. Now, what does that statement mean? What specifically are the certain differences that make these two vaccines legally distinct? The FDA did not explain this in any of the documents provided last week to the public. But here are two important facts about EUA drugs and vaccines that you ought to know. We know there are some important differences between EUA drugs and vaccines and fully licensed drugs or vaccines. And we also know these two facts about EUA products. Number one, emergency youth use authorization vaccines are designated as experimental or investigational products under U.S. law. As such, they cannot be mandated. You have the right to refuse without suffering consequences. Number two, Emergency use authorization vaccines have a huge liability shield that protects everyone involved with the product from being sued. So if you're injured by an EUA vaccine, the only way to obtain compensation for the damages is to apply to the Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program, CICP, which might cover unpaid medical expenses and lost wages only. But only 3% of claims made have been compensated. So far, the program has approved no claims for COVID vaccine injuries. Now, some say the CICP, which is run through the U.S. Department of Health and Human Service and does not give petitioners the right to a judge or a jury, is actually withholding due process from injured Americans. But that's the only pathway by which an injured party can seek help after receiving an AEUA vaccine or drug. Now, the article goes on to say it's right there in the fact sheet. The FDA says it's your choice. Legally, in order to mandate a vaccine, the vaccine has to be fully approved. However, once a vaccine for use in adults moves from an EUA product to a licensed everyday product, it loses that liability shield. This doctor says we believe it's likely the FDA was instructed to find a way to both license the Pfizer vaccine so the mandates would be legally supported while also retaining the vaccine's liability shield. But they couldn't find a way to do this under existing law, so instead... As the defender reported back in August on August 24th, the agency chose to create confusion regarding the legal status of the two Pfizer-BioNTech vaccines. And linked in this article in a document they discuss here, the fact sheet required to be given to recipients of either the Comirnaty or Pfizer-BioNTech COVID vaccine, the FDA acknowledges the facts we've just presented, but they've added something new. This is the final sentence of the fact sheet. It states, quote, This EUA for the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine and comirnaty will end when the Secretary of Health and Human Services determines that the circumstances justifying the EUA no longer exist or when there is a change in the approval status of the product such that an EUA is no longer needed. So according to this fact sheet, the FDA has designated the licensed Comirnaty vaccine as an EUA product. 
By doing so, they've guaranteed the Comirnaty vaccine the same liability shield as the EUA Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. However, that means the Comirnaty vaccine can't be mandated. The FDA admits this in the fact sheet where it states, quote, what if I decide not to get Comirnaty or the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID vaccine? Under EUA, it is your choice to receive or not receive the vaccine. Should you decide not to receive it, it will not change your standard medical care. That's right there in the FDA fact sheet. This fact sheet is the FDA's admission buried in the fine print that no one can currently be mandated to receive any COVID vaccine in the U.S. as all remain under the EUA. And this fact sheet for vaccine recipients is the key to avoid being forced to accept an experimental vaccine. And so they say we suggest you print it out. Highlight the relevant passages and present it to anybody who tries to force vaccinations on employees. Again, this is from Merle Nass, MD, from the Defender, childrenshealthdefense.org. Now, I kind of go back to how John Rappaport puts this, and that is, okay, it's, this is definitely a loophole, or it appears that there's, there's a loophole there. But the most important loophole, and the one that you and I cannot lose sight of, is the fact that we are living, breathing, thinking, autonomous human beings with natural, God-given rights that protect us from, the, from, from government. They limit government's power over us. Now, you only have those rights that you are willing to claim, use, and defend. Meaning you can have these rights. I mean, yeah, they're, they're your rights. But if you don't know what they are, if you don't know how to claim them, if you aren't willing to stand up and use them, if you're not willing to defend them, even if it means that you may face consequences, then you really don't have them at all. So I'm not telling you this is time to go out and become, you know, someone parading in the street, waving banners and chanting in unison. I'm just saying, if you know your rights... It's a lot harder for people who are determined to deny them to do so. So how does that start? Little by little. It starts with doing your own homework and owning your own worldview. The fact you're listening to this program tells me you're probably already on your way. This is The Brian Hyde Show.